If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bet Online still remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, the easiest. It's the best way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag, join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you so much, Bet Online, for bringing this podcast to the people. Welcome to the Mikey Likes You podcast. From the Hedo Hideout, buried deep in the depths of Texas Hill Country, surrounded by many loud birds and donkeys and goats and sheep, chickens, humans, dogs, and cats. Yesterday was my birthday. I was 44. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't 44. I am now 44. Doesn't go away. It's not just for one day. And uh, I'm doing a special celebration podcast. And ask me anything podcast, if you will. Hopefully a little different than a Q&A. Because a Q&A, I think oftentimes people get the idea that they need to ask me questions regarding stuff that is typically Mikey Likes You related. Whereas this one, I, I, I will take questions regarding anything. Um, I still mostly got questions about training and nutrition, which shows you what I'm good for, or at least what people perceive me to be good for. I'm utterly useless for other crap. I get it. Makes sense. Anyway, I also wanted to in celebration of my 44th birthday, double four. Call me Magnum. Don't call me ever, call me that. What up? There's nothing else 44 related, right? Just the Magnum. All right, listen, I also wanted to talk about things that I've been wanting to get off my chest, at least not get off my chest because 
I don't want to turn this into another venting session as I did a couple episodes ago. What I wanted to do was there, there's a couple kind of training nutrition things that have come about either from people that are sending me DMs or asking me questions on the Q and A's, but also with people in my personal life and also Patreon clients. Speaking of, if you're interested, I have a Patreon that offers you three separate tiers with information available at all tiers, bonus pods that get into a little bit more detail about stuff that I talk to um, here on the podcast. Think of them as a nice adjunct, as a beautiful pairing. It's a nice glass of wine to go with this, your main entree. But also the top tier allows me to be your personal trainer. You know, to virtually, I will, I'm on call for you Within 24 hours or so, I have a special email account set up just for my top tier clients. No one else gets it. And you can contact me there. I'm there to custom tailor your nutrition, your uh, training to fit your lifestyle. And then also as you progress, we change things up as your lifestyle may change, which has happened. You gotta tweak things. You get a new job or um, you're, you're, you're pregnant or you're getting married and like you're going on vacation. There's things come up in life, right? where this six day a week program is gonna work or uh, maybe you have an injury come up and you have to find a different way to go about things because what it's all based on, by the way, link in the show notes below, whether you're listening on the podcast audio only or you're watching on YouTube, the link will be in the show notes, okay? So check out my Patreon if you're interested. I would really enjoy it and my sincere, deep, appreciative thank you goes out to you people who are already patrons, especially you at the top tier. I can't, I can't uh, honestly express how grateful I am because you guys make this podcast happen. Um, I just, I financially, it wouldn't be something that I could do um, if I didn't have the income coming from the Patreon. And it's opened up a lot of doors for me to be able to kind of continually do the podcast the way that I want to do it because Fitness in media is very lucrative if you want it to be. But if you want it to be very lucrative, you kind of gotta be a certain type of guy or a certain type of gal. And that's not what I wanna do. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. I don't wanna get into uh, getting overly critical about a lot of the things I see online. It's just not the direction that I wanna go in. Um, you have to attach yourself usually to supplement companies or fitness wear and then become kind of someone that's going to be a spokesperson, be a representative for that, whatever that narrative is within that company. And then I feel like it takes away from what I truly want to say on the podcast. And, and also I'm not that guy. I like fitness. I love to lift weights. I love to take care of myself. I love to eat in a certain way so that I can look and perform in a certain way. But I am not someone who believes in being some, someone whose identity is based around working out. You know, I will tell you, the listener, and, and every single one of my Patreon clients over and over again, unless you're making money doing it, you got to understand that all of this, eating a certain way, training a certain way, it's all based around making everything else in your life better. 
Once it becomes something that consumes the important parts of your life, which exist outside of it, which exist outside of the meals that you prep and exist outside of the sets and reps, that's where the important things happen. Once the gym or, or the way that you're eating starts to consume those things as opposed to enhance them, there's something going wrong. There's something going wrong. I don't want to base all of my discipline, all of my hard work, all of my everything, my ambition around how I look or how I perform in the gym. But what I do do is use that time in the gym and the meals that I prep and the meals that I eat to help create more ambition and hard work and discipline and self-control in every other aspect of my life. And it's been really useful in my relationships, in my professional endeavors, and most certainly in recovery. Because having something there that's so clean, there's a lot of clarity specifically to resistance training. 150 pounds is always going to be 150 pounds in every gym and every day of my life for the, whether I'm 75 or 45, it's always going to be the same weight and my ability to lift that and how many reps I can do that is always going to be between me and that weight. It doesn't matter what your parents say, your wife says, a judge says, your coach says, it's clean. There's no barrier between and the amount of effort that you put in is directly reflected in how many times you can lift that weight or lift it at all. And, uh, and that, that has tremendous carryover, you know? So I wanted to talk very, very, you know, firsthand, I wanted to say that the biggest aspect of success. Not, I, I can't say in life because I, I don't know. By, it's a very strange metric that people measure success in life by. Is it in America? A lot of times, it's just how much money you make, um, where you stand in your given field. I mean, I don't know. I have a happy, I'm happily married. I have a beautiful, healthy child who I believe loves me very much. You know, so in that regard, I. But you know, it's very vague what is successful, right? But when I'm talking about success as far as achieving your goals and how you look and how you perform, it's not very detail-oriented. There's a couple of main points that you should learn and you should kind of see how they apply to you and how you respond. But the reality is it's all about consistency. People always ask me, Oh, like, well, what's your secret? I go, honestly, the secret is I don't, I've never not shown up for 20 something years of getting into weight training and physical culture and, and, and being invested in nutrition. The bottom line is, is like every single day I show up. I don't have a perfect program. I oftentimes don't have like what's best for me and my health as far as like putting myself in, in, in dangerous situations when it comes to injury. But the, I never stop. And I'm not worried about today, my 44th birthday, technically yesterday, but I'm not worried about what I weigh and how 
chiseled my abs are today. And I'm not worried about what they're going to look like in 10 years. I'm worried about my relationship with training and my relationship with food. And I just never stop. It's like brushing my teeth. If I go on a family trip, you better believe, like I already have in mind, like, well, if we're gonna stop at this restaurant on this road trip, I know what I'm getting. I know that I'll probably have a little time tomorrow morning when we wake up, I'll get a, I'll get a little body weight circuit in since I won't be able to hit the gym. It's, a, there's ne it's not, I, I never am stopping. I never get frustrated when uh, things don't go my way and then just throw in the towel. I just keep consistently showing up. Sometimes I, I really kill it, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I feel really great about my appearance, sometimes I don't. But the one common through line is this, I don't stop. And that's the absolute, Re, like the number one reason why I hate getting into these like let's lose this amount of weight or this weight loss challenge or this let's get ready for your wedding on this day. Am I saying don't try to you know turn things up a notch or be a little bit more strict if you have a photo shoot or if you have a wedding or if you have a big marquee moment that you want to show up for? I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. What I am saying is, is that fitness and nutrition and health, none of these things should be measured by a time frame and they shouldn't be put into the into these narrow margins of like, I just want to look good at this point and then I'm going to invest all my focus in because when that point gets there, there's a good chance that you're just going to turn the switch completely off. You're not going to turn it down. You're just going to shut it off and be like, well, fuck it. Because it's hard. It's hard. You don't want to end up like a Gerard Butler. I'm not, I'm not talking shit, but you know, look at like a guy, you want to be a, a Hugh Jackman, not a Gerard Butler. You know, or, or Chris Hemsworth. Do, do, does Chris Hemsworth always look like he does when he's filming Thor? No, but he doesn't stop. He doesn't just throw in the, you know, as opposed to someone who like Gerard Butler, again, not talking shit, I'm just, this is a good example. Everyone saw him in 300. It was like, oh my gosh. Wow, he did, he looked amazing. He worked with Mark Twight out in Salt Lake City when Mark was still with Jim Jones. And those guys just grinded. Zack Snyder, the director, was out there with them and they busted their ass and they ate perfectly and everyone was in it together and they showed up and they made that movie and they really, it really was one of the most impressive uh, displays of human physique we've seen on camera. I would put it up there with, you know, in my opinion, the greatest ever physique on camera was uh, Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2. And that includes Stallone and, 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 and uh, Schwarzenegger, who are, are amazing, and they're definitely in the top five. You know, Stallone and Commando is like, whoa. I mean, excuse me, Schwarzenegger and Commando is, it's, un it's unbelievable. When he gets, you know, I remember that scene where he's with Ray Don Chong and he gets ready to row the boat and he just peels down into like posing trunks. He just happened to have bodybuilding posing trunks on. And you're just like, whoa. I mean, that is an amazing achievement of, of the male physique. And uh, Rocky, three, you can't, Stallone and Rambo two, Stallone is so shredded. But to me, like, it was, it was everything when you saw Sarah Connor come from Terminator one to Terminator two. She not only changed her physique in an unprecedented way, but she changed her persona. Like Sarah Connor became a different person. 
Sarah Connor, who needed Kyle Reese to, to protect her, to be, she went from the damsel in distress to the ultimate badass, the ultimate don't mess with that chick. And it was reflected in her physique as well. And that to me was like the most amazing uh, performance. But my point being is like, you know, people show up for these movies a lot of times and then it's over. Channing Tatum's another guy who just, he kind of, he, he shows up for the movie, shredded, ripped. And then he's like, I'm done with this shit. <laughs> you know? And you see pictures of him at the beach, you're like, Magic Mike? Aren't Because I see man tits. I don't know. But then there's other people who, are, they're always in it. They never stop showing up. Do they turn it up a notch? Of course. I think that that is the key to me. People ask me, what, it, what, what do you do? Because look, people are always asking me, what about motivation? What about motivation? I don't fucking know because it certainly isn't always there. Not for me and I don't think for anybody else. It's not always there. My motivation to go train, my motivation to eat something that is over here when my wife and daughter made chocolate chip cookies over here. My motivation to eat what's over here with my, my you know, flank steak and, and uh, bone broth or whatever, you know. The motivation's not there all the time. But I just don't, I just don't stop. I don't stop. And some days I have the cookies. Some days I have the cookies. Some days I don't, I'm too lazy to make the flank steak and the bone broth and, and peel an orange and then I go, oh shit. But the difference is, is that I don't wake up the next morning and go, fuck it, it's all over. I go, well, better, better get back up and do it again. And I do, and I get back on the horse. And I've done that every day for 20 something years. Not because I wanna look a certain way, not because, and vanity's a fine kind of piece of motivation. Van, and if vanity is a piece of why you're doing it, don't be ashamed of that. That's starting to bug me a lot. That's starting to bug me a lot. Like people have to pretend or lie about the fact that I'm sure performance might be more important or, or health, but everyone wants to look better. Who the fuck doesn't? And why is it something to be ashamed of to admit that? If you bust your ass and you eat right and you're, and you're avoiding things that you know are not gonna necessarily get you to your goal and you do that for a long period of time and you go to the beach and peel off your shirt and get a couple people going, damn, dude, damn, girl, you look amazing. How the fuck is that a bad thing? You should say, thank you. I really appreciate it because I've worked really hard and it probably feels great. It has at times in my life felt fantastic. And I don't know why that has become a negative thing or at least people have to pretend like that's not a thing for them because that would be looked at as unhealthy and it's all, no, it's all about, it's all about just wanting to be a better person and to, yeah, I'm sure, look, that has made, it has transformed my life. The idea of physical culture has transformed me to be a better person. I, 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 I don't think that there's anyone who would argue that. It has created more discipline, self-respect, self-awareness, 
all of these things in my life. But you, you better fucking believe that one of the main reasons why I wanted to get into all of it is because I wanted to look better. Because wanting, you know, look, I will say this too. A lot of people shit on bodybuilding because it is kind of goofy and it absolutely is. Grown men and women painting themselves and oiling themselves in little teeny uh, posing trunks and bikinis and things and then getting up in front of other grown men and women to have them judge them it's it's kind of it's kind of goofy but at the same time the principles that go into bodybuilding are very pure and quite beautiful and beneficial let me explain bodybuilding and powerlifters hate to hear this and, and, and Olympic lifters hate to hear this, but bodybuilding, when done right, is so fucking hard. It's so hard. It, you never stop, it, it's a never ending goal. Because powerlifting is amazing, I love powerlifting. But you go in and you train your ass off and sometimes you have to take your foot off the pedal and it's hard and you look back, but you have, and you have like your program set out and progression and all that, but then you can go home and you could eat whatever the fuck you want. As long as you're staying within the weight class that you're intending to compete in, you know, people just, you know, you just get in the protein and make sure you just, people stuff their faces. Some of the best powerlifters in the world do that, you know? But, for weeks and weeks and weeks on end to constantly measure food and have every single macro and calorie completely controlled and to do that 24 seven all the time and to go to bed at a certain time and no alcohol and no partying and no, like that aspect of bodybuilding is what makes me go like, I don't want to look like you dude, but man, oh man, do I tip my cap to you for achieving that or, or sometimes a lot lately it's been mostly chicks I see because back in Venice I was really surrounded by a lot of uh, not only high level like some of the best pros in the world I would see Dexter Jackson and you know occasionally Jay Cutler would come in and like um, unfortunately uh, God rest his soul uh, one of the more recent Mr. Olympia I forgot his name uh, black dude who's uh, a Mr. Olympia winner he passed away but he, these guys would come in, these, these are Mr. Olympias, you know, and, and Charles Glass would be there and you just see these physiques and I'm like, whoa. I don't see that as much here in Hill Country, but I do see some chicks where I'm like, God damn, wow. I mean, that level of leanness and it, where I go like, I, I don't, it's not, it's not particularly for me, but man, do I have to say bravo, madam, because I know it takes the most some of the most extreme discipline and self-control goes into bodybuilding of any other endeavor. Another great thing about bodybuilding is almost every, even you, Mr. Holistic, full-on man bun guy, or you are flowing robe chick who talks about the lengthening of the muscles and the chakras and shit, all of it, all the developments, you carnivore guy who is all into, uh, you know, healthy fats 
and um, red meat and like functional fitness. All everything comes from bodybuilding. Seriously, you name it, you name it. When it comes to breakdown of fast twitch and slow twitch, uh, carb cycling to um, uh, slower carb digestion to faster carb digestion to manipulation of protein and amino acid intake, functional fats, MCT oil, you go down the list, ketogenic diets, you name it. Not only did it come from bodybuilding, but oftentimes like 50 years ago. And then people somewhere, someplace have an Instagram feed where they're like cutting edge idea of mixing caffeine with MCT oil. And you're like, Ooh. organs, desiccated organs, because if you're not willing to eat this, this liver, we put it in a pill so that you can get all the vital nutrients, the heme, heme iron and all this. And you're like, Vince Tronda did that in 1955, you know? Perillo was geeking dudes with MCT oil to get ready for a contest in like 1983. It's very similar to the space program where you may not give a shit about people flying into space and going, but almost everything when it comes to scientific developments from cosmetics to sanitation to uh, uh, travel, you know, on the go nutrition to vacuum technology, you name it. It almost all comes from somewhere people having to fly into space. Why? Because the stakes are so high and the technology, the, the margins are so thin when it comes to space flight that they are just pushing the envelope constantly. And these guys and gals who are gonna get on stage and they're trying to get their body fat from 6% to 4% while still being 250 pounds, the margins are so slim that they're constantly pushing the envelope. And that's where a lot of this stuff comes. So that's my long-winded kind of, like I said, stuff I wanted to get off my chest, but it's just like, don't look at the ideas and principles that go into bodybuilding as always being a negative thing, especially if you're someone who's not even con uh, concerned with necessarily having extreme muscularity or extreme leanness, the principles that go in it are still like at the foundation of what's most important for human health and development. The idea of like, let's maximize the amount of muscle we can carry and minimize the amount of body fat we can carry. You take the drugs out of it, you take the extreme kind of techniques to manipulate moisture and, and water, uh, water in the body and, and you know, some of the more dangerous um, stimulant-based thermogenic stuff. You, know, like you take that away from it, just the, uh, at its bare bones fundamental ideas. Let's maximize the amount of muscle we can carry. Let's minimize the amount of fat we can carry. That's, that's in a nutshell what you're trying to do. And that right there is the most functional fitness you can think of. Um, another thing I wanted to really touch on before I got to the, uh, the limited amount of questions that I was given for my 4-4 birthday celebration was that people get really, really bogged down with optimum training programs, right? And I do think it's important to have an idea, like a really fleshed out training program to have and to adhere to. I think it's really important. So don't, don't 
mishear or misunderstand what I'm saying in that you shouldn't look for a program. I think you should. I think kind of going in willy-nilly is a bad idea. It really is for a myriad of reasons. One, psychologically, it doesn't help you because you will always end up, no matter if it's a week or if it's two, if it's two months, you're going to end up falling back onto the things that you're comfortable doing. And that's never going to get you to where you want to go, regardless if you're concerned with performance or your physique. Hey fellas, look, confidence in the bedroom is really important, and I understand it can be embarrassing to try to deal with that if you identify a problem. Well, Blue Chew is here to save the day. Blue Chew, it's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. All right? You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is super simple. Sign up at bluechew.com consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part is you don't have to deal with the embarrassment of waiting in line at the pharmacy, going to the doctor's office, zero awkward conversations. It all comes right to your door, and you get to avoid all the stuff that I know you don't want to deal with. Listen, the bedroom, when it goes down, you want to be able to perform. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? So get yourself some Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Use the promo code Mikey. Receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. Gosh darn it, do we ever thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. Remember to use that promo code Mikey at checkout. Oh boy, I'm going to tell you about a spoon. A magic spoon. Growing up, cereal, it was one of the best parts of being a child right? Getting a bowl of cereal, some ice cold milk. Mmm, it made your whole day. Well, when we're all trying to eat better as adults, why not have the number one ace up your sleeve right in your pantry at all times? And that is Magic Spoon cereal. It tastes as good, if not better, than all of your favorite childhood cereals. But you don't get any of the junk. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, it's just a bunch of regular old sugary cereal with a, some protein powder added in. Oh, no, 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 no. Zero grams of sugar, 13, 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories per serving, and it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Amazing flavors. I've tried every one, and they're all delicious. Peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, maple, waffle, fruity, cocoa. Oh, man. All of them are delicious. And they, like I said, they all taste as good as your favorite childhood cereals. So head on over to magicspoon.com slash Mikey. Grab a custom bundle of cereal. Try it today. Be sure to use the promo code Mikey at checkout. Save $5 off your entire order. Magic Spoon's so confident in this product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund all your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Mikey and use the code Mikey to save $5 off. Thank you so much, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this here episode. There has to be kind of a semblance of following a structured program because on top of the, phys, uh, the, the psychological aspect, the physiological aspect is there, and that has always been my biggest problem with CrossFit. 
It's because it's right there in the name. They don't specialize in anything. But physiological adaptations, they happen from very purposeful, very focused practices. Physiological adaptations happen from long-term adherence to very specific techniques that are geared towards bringing you that specific physiological adaptation. So if you're doing squats on Monday and then you don't ever squat for two, three weeks because you're doing some like mixed modality wad and then you're doing a 5k and then <clears throat> pardon me and then you know you're doing like a burpee rower thing like that is great exercise and if it gets you out of the house and you're not going to train any other way is it good for you sure and i'm if you are not going to train unless you go to crossfit and have that um camaraderie and that situation where you have that kind of uh communal environment uh, by all means, go. And I don't think that you sh people shouldn't do CrossFit. What I do have a problem with is that don't look to CrossFit to get you to achieve any specific goal because it's right there in the name that you're not going to achieve said goal because that's not the way the human body works. If you start to do a lot of different things, a lot of conditioning, while you're doing a lot of strength work, while you're doing a lot of endurance work, you're going to end up perpetually being mediocre at all of them. That's how the human body works. Physiological adaptations happen because of very specific techniques and practices used to achieve said physiological response. So, look to do that in a progressive manner. If you squat 225 for five reps, you need to be in the very near future looking to squat 230 for five reps. And so on and so on. That is how hypertrophy and strength happen. And to just kind of go at it willy-nilly, is, uh, I think, a big mistake. Now, that being said, pulling your hair out, trying to find the ideal split, and then hopping around from training modality to training modality because you get burnt out or you, ha you find disbelief or a lack of... Um, appreciation slash understanding for a given training program, it's going to, it's all, it's going to kill your gains just as much. It's going to, it's going to just halt your progress. Okay. And people just get so into the weeds about like, well, how much should I be doing cardio? How much should I be doing sprinting? How much should I be doing uh, heavy training? How much should I be doing high volume training? It's like train, train progressively, Try to stick to compound movements that involve a lot of joints as much as possible, as much as your, 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 your biomechanics and your 
current injury setup will allow you to do and try to rest as much as necessary for your given abilities. That's the only way you can make the progress as, as far as like what you need to do on the, on the training side. If you have any qualms about how you look, trust me, more, more of the equation than you are willing to admit is diet. Much more. Much more of what you are willing to either believe or admit to yourself about how you look is diet. Whenever I am around the beefier dudes who are also fat, they are all, almost always talking about drugs and training. Whenever I'm around shredded dudes that I go like, that guy, that guy's physique is amazing. Your, your body's amazing, dude. You, bravo. Always talking diet. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a guarantee. Unless you're 16. When it doesn't, you know, when it doesn't matter. But you know, grown-ups, I'm telling you, I will be around monsters, but they're, they're all they're, they're perma-bulkers, right? Where if they were wearing long sleeves and jeans, you're like, well, that's just a fat guy. You know, you go me, go to the gym. You're like, Jesus, dude, like five plates. Some bench press was fucking amazing. Good for you. But those dudes are always talking training and always talking drugs. When you see the people where you, where they take off their shirt and you're just like, oh, Jesus, Louise, always talking diet, man. With me, you know, when, when I, when we get, start getting in the weeds of shit. Um, so look to kind of find the blueprint of like, what's really meaningful when it comes to training. And this is exactly why, this is exactly why I push forward the tenets with almost every client I work with and almost every person who's ever listened to this podcast or watched this podcast has heard me say it. I have like three or four things that I'm constantly pushing and it's like move, move towards strength work in that, you know, five to eight rep range, a lot lower reps than most people are used to working, really push the weight as much as is safe and up the protein and, you know, don't necessarily lean on cardio for, for burning calories. It's not, you know, it's, it's really not a great technique because you're going to end up, you are going to end up hormonally kind of screwing yourself. And on top of that, it's not really that effective at burning calories in the long run when you look at it because cardiovascular activity burns a shit ton more calories than resistance training when you're in the gym. But someone who has spent the time building a sufficient amount of muscle will burn so much more calories at rest just existing 
And when you factor that in long term, you're talking about someone who doesn't have to go and lean on cardiovascular activity and is perpetually in this mode that makes you a little bit more of a metabolic kind of lion as opposed to a metabolic lamb. Um, so these are the, these are the things that I'm, I'm constantly pushing towards people when it comes to training and when I'm giving them advice, because all things work when it comes to training, all things will work. High volume will work. Circuit training will work. Uh, you know, kind of basic powerlifting strength templates will work until they stop until they don't. The one thing that you're going to at least have the most long-term success with is programming with a higher intensity, lower rep range strength progression. Linear progression in those rep ranges with the a really smart and wise selection of exercises will be useful for a really long time for the beginner to the intermediate to the even the advanced training. Now, once you start to get to the advanced level, it look, it, it becomes harder. Um, and you do have to start adding things. The volume does get higher. The intensity must remain higher. You also have to fluctuate the intensity and the volume a lot more, but either way, someone who jumps right in off the couch into a higher volume, kind of higher rep, more moderate weight setup is going to flatline real quick. You know, if you are someone who isn't necessarily a skilled weight trainer and you go to T Nation or Flex Magazine or somewhere where you're getting like a bodybuilding template and you go right into it, it is going to flatline you pretty quick. Your plateau is going to be pretty, pretty quick when it comes to what you're wanting to achieve. If you're someone who is not training very much or has flirted with training and has never been consistent and you get into like a three day, maybe four day split of deadlifting, you know, squatting, overhead press, bench press with some rows and some other things added in, in a really good kind of practical rep range where you're constantly seeing the weights that you're able to achieve go up with good form. You're, that, you could ride that into the sunset for decades, decades. Okay. So that's why I recommend it. And if we're really going to look at like, well, what's optimal, what we, what we've seen like scientifically and also with bro science stuff is that training more frequently has been shown to be better to an extent. Do you need to train a body part three or four times a week? No. Do you need to train a body part to maximum intensity? No, but do you need to flirt with failure? You do, you do, that has been shown. True muscular failure, most people are not gonna achieve that. And that's why you see a lot of people who like adopt this Mike Menser lifestyle and they're all about it. You see them all over chat rooms, I've met them in life. They're always very unimpressive physically. And they're like, well, I follow the principle. I realize like Mike Mentzer and Arthur Jones had it right all these, those years ago. And I only train once every seven days. And Mike Mentzer could train like that because Mike Mentzer was crazy. His intensity was off the fucking charts. He literally took meth before training. Literally. 
Okay? He wasn't smoking crystal meth. He wasn't snorting up some, some just nasty crank. But back, you know, in those days, he, he had amphetamines that was, it's, he was taking meth, you know? And he trained so fucking hard. And if you train that fucking hard, you can get away with not training for another four days. And then every body part gets trained every eight days and everything. None of you are, none of, I cannot train that hard. Therefore, what you need to do is get into, you know, that 85, 90% of complete muscular failure and do it twice a week. That's been shown to be really all you need to do. If you can do something for 50 reps and you end up doing it for 25, that's not going to cut it no matter what. If you could do something for 10 reps, if you could do this weight for 10 reps on the bench press and you stop short at five, that is not going to get you anywhere. If you can do it for 10 reps with all the spotting in the world, make sure that's your absolute muscular failure and you do it to eight and nine for three or four sets, that's where now we're talking. And then next week you do it for, you know, five more pounds for eight, nine reps. Now we're talking. Now you're getting into that, that area where you're just getting enough. You're getting close enough to failure. One rep in reserve, maybe two. And you're doing that twice a week. You know, that's, that's where we're seeing like consistent scientific proof that that's optimal. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, five to 10 sets per body part when you're talking about that level of intensity is sufficient. So if you train it twice a week, you do five sets of chest on Monday and five sets of chest on Thursday, uh, with really smart, wise choices when it comes to, um, exercise selection. You know, when you start to get up into the more advanced levels, you're looking at like absolute max would be about 20 reps a week per body part excuse me, 20 sets. Uh, I'm, I fall somewhere in between. I, I usually do about 15, 10 to 15, 16 sets per body part every week, cut every body part and split in two. I do upper body, lower body, upper body, lower body. So whatever split works best for you to be able to train everything twice a week and get into that, you know, five, 10 sets a week per body part, training them twice a week. And you want to stay in that. Uh, the rep range thing can be tough, but what we're seeing is like, it's really more important that you get close as close to failure, regardless of what that rep range is. That's at least what the science I've seen has shown. And I will say this about rep ranges. People get married to them. It's like, no, three to five or, you know, eight to 10 is what we, the reality is, is like, it, varies greatly from body part to body part. One rule of thumb that I've seen were be very true with a lot of the people I've talked to, a lot of people I've trained with and myself, and then also from really smart people that I've heard talk about it is that lower body, you need a higher rep range than you do. The threshold is a lot higher when it comes to reps that you get to failure with in the lower body than it is in the upper body. Um, and it makes sense being that we're bipedal and we're walking on our legs all day. Um, I think probably things will probably change, but you know, it makes sense again from that standpoint, because the forearms are going to take a lot higher rep ranges than say something like, uh, your deltoids, right? Because we're, even if you're 
not necessarily like the most active person. You're grabbing things and you're using your fingers all day long. So these muscles here, they're gonna take, it's gonna take a little bit more and they're more geared for our success as a species. They're a little bit more geared towards that slow twitch. Your chest, you need to hit it heavy and you need to move, you know, you need to really dig into those fast twitch muscle fibers. Does it mean that you shouldn't do a set of 20 every once in a while on inclined bench press? No, of course, you know, explore that. But the, the meat and potatoes uh, should be in that five to 10 rep range for the upper body. And then you're looking at, you know, eight to 12, maybe 15 as high as 20 for the lower body. Um, and progressively overload those things and continually try to go higher and higher and higher on the weights in that rep range that you find success in. Train the body parts twice a week. Try to get around 10 sets total each week for each body part. Now, if you can do that, there's no need to start pulling your hair out and going crazy. Like, oh, am I doing it right? Am I getting enough of this? Am I sarcoplasmic, myoplasmic? That stuff's great if you're get, getting paychecks and you're fucking 250 and 6% body fat. You might start having to get into that geeky stuff. But I know I'm not, and I know most of you watching are not. So really just take what's relevant, what's meaningful, and, and be consistent with it. And stop worrying about being excellent at these small little details because that is going to lead to you not even training in a couple weeks as opposed to just like, let me just check this off and make sure I really put my focus and my effort into this. Boom, 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 bomb. I'm ready to go. I can go on my life. And I'm going to continue to get better at this. Just nice little collection of really important tenets that I've, I've uh, curated for you. All right. So let me answer a couple of these questions and then I'll be out of here and I'll be out of your hair. Elbow pain. Can it be related to shoulder and wrist mobility strength? And if so, what's your go-to exercises for that? And what are you go-to wrist strength exercises? Not a bad question. Look, elbow pain, I, it seems to be a big problem for people. I certainly deal with it. Um, I hurt my elbow fighting Muay Thai though. Um, I blocked a kick here and then like later on in that same round, I went and I went to throw a punch and a guy was throwing a punch on the same side and like we hit there. So like my elbow got stopped way before my brain was ready to like, um, tight, you know, tighten up. And I'm like, ever since, and that was like five years ago, my elbow has been fucked, but elbow pain a lot of times can be developed from like, repetitive movements. And I do think there is some correlation there to mobility and more so the mobility. I think it's joint and connective tissue stuff because one thing that I see a lot that is very problematic and always leads to elbow injury is that people will hammer triceps with compound movements, which I think are better for overall growth when it comes to your triceps, but they will hammer them without any, uh, like any input into warming them up or preparing that joint for the extreme kind of resistance and force. You would never do that on your knees. You would never do that on your knees. I don't care how strong you are. No one goes in and puts two plates on the bar and just starts hitting squats with 225. 
you'd be like, well, I want to prepare this. And you would do some mobility work and then get just squat the bar, do some partials. Yeah, let me stand, sit inside my squat mode. Then I'm ready, I'll put a, put a plate on and get some, and you start warming up, you're preparing that joint. No one does that for the elbow. And I think that's why we, you know, you go right into like, you know, skull crushers. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you know. Is that, how close is that to your, to your max set? And they're like, oh, I'll just go into it. I already trained chest. I was like, yeah, but that's, this flexion of this joint here is a whole different ball game. So I think that kind of prehab and warm up when it comes to the elbow joint, like think of your elbow like you would your knee. In fact, it's a lot more delicate. Um, that is one thing that I, I, I have found over the years that has been, uh, before I even think to do close grip bench press or skull crushers or two hand overhead uh, dumbbell extensions, I'll either start with a weight that I could do for like 50 reps, like seriously that many, and just like feel them out, do partials and really get my elbow warmed up. Or I'll just start on the cable, do some overheads really light, just to kind of get some, some activity going on here so that it feels like I'm ready to then even get into my warmups because the elbow is kind of like a silly little joint there. It's great as a weapon, but it's not exactly the most stable when it comes to, to adding tension for, for this movement, you know? That's my advice when it comes to the elbow pain. Trey thinks, hey buddy, what's your favorite cut of steak? And also, when are you going to give us some cooking meal prepping content? My favorite cut of steak. Well, <laughs> My favorite cut of steak for eating, to, for taste alone, is ribeye. There's no the ribeye is the that's that's all that's the only cut of steak. Bone in, bone out, doesn't matter. Ribeye, ribeye is number one. But on a day to day basis, I would say outside skirt steak is probably my go to. It's not low fat, but it's it's a little lower. It's like in that medium range, and it just seems to be something I can eat a little bit more consistently. But if I'm going purely for taste, ribeye. When are you gonna get some cooking stuff for me? I don't know, I mean, I'm more than happy to do it. I just, it's another one of those things like people that write, like, I just wanna know what's your daily eating routine? And I'm like, really? That's, it, it blows my mind. Some of those things, some things, how people wanna know, they wanna get geeky about training, they wanna get geeky about like protein levels and stuff like that. I, it makes sense to me and I've always kind of leaned into it. I, there's some things where I was like, I can't believe you would really be interested in like how I prepare steak, you know? But I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. And maybe I'll, maybe that'll be my next little go-to. I'll try it out on Patreon and see how it goes and then maybe uh, bang it out on the pod, on the YouTube channel. Uh, do you change the way you eat on training days versus rest days? from AJ Reeves, 23. I do. It's hard because I don't have a lot of real rest days because I'm usually training jujitsu. Uh, even most of the, I'm lifting and or training jujitsu pretty much every day. But one day a week usually will fall where I, like a Sunday where I just don't do anything except for maybe get some like walking in my baseline activities. And on those days, I will cut carbs pretty low just because I don't feel like I, I need them. I mean, that's really the big benefit to carbs is like, look, if you're training hard, you wanna be able to train harder 
as you go and progress, as we've already talked about, your muscles need glycogen to do that. And you can get all the keto idiots out here that you want. And a keto, completely ketogenic, like really low carb lifestyle is great for like a hobbyist. It's great if you want to lose a little weight, it certainly gets rid of water weight a lot, but you're, you can't redline like that. You can't. And you maybe say, well, I do. I, well, you should see how much I live. Fine. That's great. There's no professional athlete ever or a professional bodybuilder or physique that is, is, you know, in a, in a ketogenic level of carbohydrate restriction, not for any prolonged period of time. You may hear of an off season body, uh, basketball player. He's like, Oh, I cut carbs real low. I got, got my ketones going base building, um, endurance athletes. Sure. That's fine. When it comes push to shove, like if you're in the ring and someone is whooping that ass and you need to dig deep and start circling and then you need to throw a body blow and then a couple push them up against the ropes and really go pow, 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 pow. you better have some fucking carbs in your body if you are getting smashed on the bottom someone passes your guard and they're smashed and you got to find a way to escape and you're digging you're shuffling your hips and you're pushing like this and you're gonna try to you know sneak out the bottom and then circle around and dive and take his back or something you better have some fucking carbs in your body You know, like that, that's the, it's a bottom line. That's how human energy systems work. So I will make sure that my body has sufficient carbohydrates, um, and taper my, I never go low fat. I just respond better to a little higher fat content, but it's always like a medium level. I really kind of evenly break out my energy cofactor, cofactor macronutrients being carbohydrates and fat. I usually have a, like a pretty even split of both on, on any given day. And then on a, uh, non complete non-training day, like a rest day, or if I'm on vacation, I'll drop those carbs down a little lower, you know, just have like maybe 50 to hundred carbs or something, you know, kind of a medium. Yeah. 50 is a, is a, but that that's for like the very rare occasion when I'm not training at all, or if I'm just going to get some activity in, like I said, on vacation or something. I found that to be like a really helpful tool is that when I do go on vacation or if I'm going to take a, an extended period of time away from training hard, I'll, I'll cut my carbs. Um, but that's the only time because I know if I ever want to whoop that ass in any capacity, when it comes to physical activity, I, I want to have sufficient amount of glycogen in my system to be able to do so. Uh, I think I've heard you make reference to feeding your dogs meat. Do you feed them raw meat? Have you noticed benefits to raw meat versus kibble for them? I do feed them raw meat. Uh, I have I, me being a farmer now, I have farmer friends that I order direct from and they ship over huge, like I get 10, 15 bags a couple times a month and there's probably 15 to 20 six ounce pucks of raw meat, mixture of organ meat and, and muscle meat, beef, um, that I get. And then I, I just feed them a measured amount for each dog. Cause like I have a, this big dog, he gets one puck a day, you know, split in half. I have the, the great Pyrenees who get like 10 bucks a day, you know? Um, and I do, yeah, they eat raw meat. I, I, 
Uh, the only dog I could say I've noticed a benefit from is Gloria, my, uh, she is, what is she? She's a big dog. She's a, what the fuck is that type of dog? Um, St. Bernard mix. She's a big floppy thing. We used to feed her like a dog food and, and switched her over to raw meat. And I do think like she's leaner and more muscular. She really is. I don't know how much of that is moving to a farm in Texas where she has like eight acres to run around on and live like that may have changed her just as much as me, but I do see Gloria has transformed. The other dogs I can't really say because they've always kind of exclusively eaten this uh, raw meat diet, but my dogs are healthy. Almost everyone comments when they come over, they're super high energy. Uh, they're super active and their their coats and their like muscle tone is, is pretty high All right, that's about it Thank you everybody I Hope you like the new Look the, the new look to my podcast the Hedo hideout. That's the name of my studio deep in the hills of Central Texas uh, Thank you to everyone who sponsors this podcast. Thank you to everyone who listens or watches this podcast. Tell a friend, like, subscribe, do that. Would you please? It helps me. I love your support just as people, but in order for the us uh, to beat the machines, it turns out it's important. Like, subscribe, leave a nice comment. Give me lots of stars. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, do that thing. And check out my Patreon if you're interested. I love you, and in this crazy mixed-up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.